Accomplishment Coaching is proud to present the following fine programming. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. AccomplishmentCoaching.com. Welcome to The Coaching Show with your host, Master Certified Coach, Christopher McCollum. Well, welcome, my friends, to another edition of The Coaching Show. My name is Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach, here with my longtime now co-host, uh, Alex Terranova of TheDreamMason.com. Alex, how are you? I'm great. And, um, Any uh, COVID uh, quarantine stories for us today? You know, I wanted to talk about good things today. And, you know, we've spent so many podcasts doing this together where you're like, you're a PCC yet, right? You're a PCC yet, right? You're a PCC right. yet. And... Uh, I shared with you over text message yesterday that I finally passed. I say finally because I think I had declared it 537 times up until now. But uh, I actually got really committed and I did what it took. And I finally passed um, the evaluation through accomplishment coaching. And I submitted my paperwork to the International Coach Federation last wow. night. Wow. Congratulations. So, thank you. So I should be able to, um, you know, we're just you know, put PCC across my screen and you can never talk to me again. <laughs> Clear. And I, I assume you'll start speaking in a deeper register. The, um, the <laughs> thing that I want to acknowledge you for is, uh, you know, being so upfront about it. And one of the things I like best about coaches is when, you know, when coaches don't misrepresent themselves or puff, there's not a lot of puffery. I come from the corporate world where there's a lot of puffery, you know, and people are, if, uh, you know, you're having a casual conversation, people will drop lots of things in there. So uh, thanks and congratulations. Do you feel different? Yeah, honestly, like I feel really proud of myself because this is something I would have quit at like my whole life prior to doing accomplishment coaching and becoming a coach. This is like ripe for quitting material mm -hmm. because, you know, in five, six years as a coach, no one's ever asked me if I'm credentialed or certified. Right. Right. Um, I've never really felt like I needed to have like letters after my name. It's just not the kind of person I am. And so I had enough evidence that this doesn't matter. And, but I had said when I started training with you a long time ago that I would do this and it became a, I want to say like an integrity thing that just kept leaking and pulling at me. And that's the kind of thing I would quit because it doesn't impact anyone else. And I, I really, it's really cool to think that like I did this just for me. And it doesn't matter, you know, if people want to know, great, but like I stuck in the game and I kept doing this thing that actually was not easy for me. Um, and I did it. So it feels really good. It feels like really nice to do something for yourself that doesn't really matter to anyone else, but. Congratulations. I assume that we'll have weeks of celebration with <laughs> you just drinking in your own room. Uh, okay. Uh, I want to get to our guest today and I'd love uh, hearing about your life, but we're not, we got ain't nobody got time for that today. Uh, we've got <laughs> okay. uh, uh, two extraordinary guests and we're delighted to welcome to our microphone, Kathy Bowman Atkins. Kathy is the CEO and co-founder of the Latitude Group, a business strategy and development firm. And we're going to talk about, or at least my big plan is for us to talk about planning for the times that are unplannable. You know, this pandemic that we find ourselves in, we hear sure. again and again are is changing life and life is not going to go back to normal. But most of us have no idea what is coming or what how to prepare for it. So, Kathy, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, look around outside. Where are you today? Uh, I am in North Carolina in the Triad area, if folks are familiar with that, Winston-Salem, Greensboro, High Point area. 
That's beautiful. And thanks for not pinning us down too much because you don't want a lot of people outside the house, right? Um, <laughs> we trust that you and yours are well and happy. Everybody doing all right? Everyone's doing fine here. Hope the same is true for you. Well, you know, aside from the obvious, yeah, we're doing all right here. Yeah, same here. Um, you've you've coined something called the Phoenix Effect, and I, I think most of us, uh, uh, Alex could correct me, but most of us are dealing with clients who are deep in the throes of crisis mode and or starting to look past the crisis and have no idea what the future holds. What, what do you mean by the Phoenix Effect, and how are you uh, addressing this with your clients? It's a good question. Thanks for asking. A couple of things, uh, and clearly, uh, Christopher, that we have uh, clients and colleagues, friends that know we're in this business and now calling on us to ask us about the, the question that you just asked. Uh, most of those, given how long we've been in this now, have done their crisis planning. And I do believe, obviously, given what my profession is, that you can plan for the unplanable. So um, what we've done there is we, we've broken strategic planning, if you will, up into some pieces. All right. So the first one was the crisis planning. How do you survive? How do you get to the other side, wherever that is? Because nobody knows exactly where the other side is. So the way we've done that is to sit down with them, ask them to ask major clients where they think things are going and set some triggers. What are the big KPIs, the big metrics that you have to manage to that you what are the guardrails you have to stay within? All right, to survive this, okay, to keep the lights on, to keep as many people employed, you know, what uh, assistance can you get, et cetera, et cetera. So, so we've helped them put that kind of plan together, and it's based on triggers, all right? So what trigger, if you've had to furlough people, if you've had to discontinue certain services or different things, at what point can you bring those back as you see volume coming back? So, so that's how we do that. It's not based on a set time because nobody knows what that time is. But if we can set some triggers, some standards out there that people are looking at. The other thing that we are telling people during this time, Christopher, is this is not, nor will it be for quite some time, business as usual. So whereas as a business owner, business leaders, people might have been looking at their financials monthly. For example, I'll just use that hypothetically. People need to be looking at their financials and their situation almost daily because that's how fast things are changing and to be on top of it. So from here, now what we are working with our clients for now is talking about what we call emergence strategic planning, which is getting to the Phoenix effect. Now, how do you come out of this? and be better on the other side. Different, yes, but better. What are you doing? What are you learning here? And that's about a six-month plan, right? We are not telling people, you know, generally speaking, we look out five years, where do you want to be in five years? And then we do this big one-year strategic business plan with all kinds of goals and action steps in, and it's very mm -hmm. comprehensive and sophisticated and all of those kind of things. Scrap that right now. We're not doing that. Okay, so we're saying we're going to help you look out six months to nine months at best, probably six months, and we're looking at strategic planning and planning in increments. So over the next 18 months, we see planning in six-month increments. I don't think you should try to plan any further than that, 
and it's still based on standards. It's still based on KPIs, metrics. You know, when we hit this, when this that happens. So that's a long, you know, a lot to say to answer your question. But hopefully, that that uh, gives you a good idea of what we're thinking there and what we're seeing. Kathy, I want to I want to add or get a little bit more from you on this because what I notice sure. with a lot of my clients that have businesses mm-hmm. is when we look at those metrics. And I ask them, you know, where they want to go and what they want to create. And, and we're kind of doing something like this, which is cool. I like how you break it up. They're like, well, how can I answer that? Because I have no idea where it's going. Well, it's a great question. But if you set metrics like, I mean, some of them are pretty simple. All right. I have some clients that, are, that as we look at that and I say, okay, what are the metrics you're going, you want to manage to? There's some things that drive that. That's a great question, Alex. For example, some of it is as simple as, I have to keep positive cash flow without additional debt financing. Now, they may have already gotten an emergency loan from the SBA. They may have gotten or be in line to get a PPP. I say that in all sincerity, but we know that that's dicey right now. But uh, we're saying to this, so some of them are just saying that, you know, I've got to have a plan that keeps me cash flow positive. And I got to be looking at that every week. And do I need to be making adjustments? We make the adjustments based on the other thing in planning at this time in a crisis mode, Alex, and I'll get more into the metrics in a minute, but this is important is to assume the worst. And I know that sounds terrible. And by assume the worst, I mean, uh, forecast your expenses the most liberal. In other words, the highest that you know they, they could be, but the minimum that you're going to try to keep them. And forecast your income, your projected revenue, as the most conservative. What's the least that I think that we're going to get? And there are certain ways to, to make some assumptions there. So given all of that, other people may say, you know what, I have obligations at the bank. And my banker says, okay, that I have to meet covenants. And this is the covenant I have to meet. And different people have different covenants with the bank. It may be based on EBITDA, which is earnings before income tax, uh, income uh, interest taxes, amortization, et cetera. It may be net income, okay? It may be somewhere based on receivables, okay? And they, they sweep based on receivables for that. So they're different. That is maybe a metric that you can't avoid, that you have to do. Some people look at and say, okay, during this period, my operating expense, which a lot of people abbreviate as OPEX, okay, the industry standard is 16%. We've got to be at 14%. If that starts getting out of kilter, we have to make some more adjustments. So it, it, it is about unknowns, but you're setting, you're using metrics to help you manage to those unknowns. As things change, oh, this metric's out of kilter, I need to make a change. Does that answer your question, Alex? Sorry, it was on mute. Um, it does. Uh, yeah, I, what, I, what I heard you say just to like was that you're, you're kind of coming up. I love that you said, hey, forecast the expenses, the most liberal, liberal and the projection revenue at the most conservative. Right. And then I think the key point was like you, if you're not on it every day, you can't adjust fast enough. That's right. In this environment, that's absolutely true. I know that we're kind of asking the impossible because we're <laughs> we're talking about thousands of coaches and and tens of thousands, excuse me, of uh, clients. So I appreciate. Pardon me, I uh, had a cough, but not that kind of cough. Um, yes, I, I think that our listeners are worried probably first about their own business. I know that at least for me, my as a coach, a lot of my 
corporate business went out at the first sign of trouble, right? Exactly. In, individuals and groups are thriving now because, or at least very interested in coaching because they are not sure and they want support and they want to create um, some positive future out of all this uncertainty. But a lot of corporations, you know, it was the first thing they cut or, or one of the first things they cut because of, of their fear or concern about the future. Is there something that you're seeing now that is a is a good role for coaches who want to work with organizations? Is there any um, any trend that you're seeing or anticipating for coaches who want to work with uh, corporate clients, or is it a good time to just sort of consolidate with your individual practice and worry about the corporations when they come back and start spending money again? Actually, Christopher, I think there's a real opportunity with corporations more than uh, than. Per- Maybe other other than other markets, and here's what I mean by that. Uh, at the Latitude Group, we we uh, do we have an ideal targeted client, but we have clients that fit into you know medium sized privately held companies, and we have corporations, right? And right now, uh, with the corporations, the biggest opportunity is, and we have good relationships there, which is very important. The relationships that we have, but we're talking to them about, hey, if you have right now capacity, you have people that are sitting at home working from home, and these are people that were slotted for development already, and even maybe you had in your mind that, hey, I'm going to have the latitude group coach with this group or this person next year in the development plan next year. Maybe now's a good time because you you have extra capacity. Okay, they can't fill up their time right now. And oh, by the way, we we will give you uh, a bit of a discount. You know, people are worried about spending the money, and so we, you know, you're you're a, a trusted client, uh, and we want to help you. And, you know, you can help us. And so we are getting some some hits on that. So it's about helping them, giving them a break on that. And, do you know, coaching, with the, one of the great things about coaching is that it can easily be done virtually. You do not have to be in person. Okay. You can even do small group development work virtually. You know, not huge groups that you know, where you have interaction, but, you know, uh, six to ten people, six is pretty ideal. You can do virtually. So, so there is a market for that, and that's what I'm seeing. I, I want to ask about, you know, you, you, Christopher talked about how the corporations kind of the first thing that was like, we don't need this, we're cutting this yep. expense. And when you were talking about the forecasting, um, one of the things that I've noticed in the conversations that I've had with people that are not my clients that I'm like, right. you know, talking to networking with is they're quickly assuming that either this is coaching, like is something that is only that they could have during good times right. or the opposite that, Oh man, people must be, um, this must be going really well for you because everybody's messed up. <laughs> and, 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 and I guess a lot of these people that I happen to be talking to are somewhere in the middle like they might not be thriving right now, but they're also not on the other end where they're panicked and scared. They're in the middle and they're kind of relating to this as well. I don't need this right now because I'm not thriving or I'm not messed up. Is there, I, 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 don't, I don't know exactly how I want to ask this question, but it, I'm kind of looking to you to see how do we position, whether it be, you know, as coaches, that this is, the t- this is a great time for this. This is a great time to invest in yourself. It's not a time to cut off. Well, that's a really good question, and I will tell you the approach that we've taken, and it it seems to resonate. 
uh, we're not doing it. We don't ever do any hard selling at the Latitude Group. Let me just put that out there. We do, you know, no pressure, high trust selling. That's our that's one of our values, actually, in terms of our uh, the way we work. But during this time, it's even it's even softer. What I'm doing, what and 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 I, as the CEO and the founder, of course, um, have some recognition for the company. I'm calling people. I'm sending emails and saying, I'm just checking in. I want to see how you're doing. How's the business going? As a, as a business coach and a person who works with companies on strategic planning, trying to help them, tell me what you're seeing out there. Okay. What that leads to, and it's, it's not disingenuous. I do want to touch base with them. I want to talk with them. But what that leads to is an opportunity to say, have you tried this? Have you done that projection? You know, have you done the kind of things I just talked about a few minutes ago? or, you know, leadership is so important right now. I mean, leadership is always important, but the, 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 it's a little bit different kind of leadership that's required now. And some, in some cases, a sterner, stronger leadership. And so I'm talking to people about that. You know, how have you changed your leadership? So what are you doing? And so in some cases, that leads people to say, well, what, wait a minute, we still need your help. Or, you know, can you help us? What about some coaching? And it leads to that. So it's, it's that genuine reaching out, you know, giving them some ideas. And, and that really leads into it. It's not really trying to proactively sell those services right now. now that's my approach. Someone else may be doing something different, but I'm finding that's the best approach. Sorry, Alex, I couldn't tell if you were going to go in for a follow-up. One of the right, things good. that I – say it again? I said you're good. Go ahead. I didn't. No, <laughs> I'm uh, potentially over-caffeinated. The, uh, <laughs> the thing that I wanted to go back and pick up that I don't think I heard was you've got something called the Phoenix Effect, and I'm very interested in what that is because it sounds like something we could all use, especially as we as we work with our small business or corporate clients. Sure, and I didn't close the loop on that. So, so, so there's the survival, but once we do that, now I am talking to people about let's look at, you know, how you come out of this. Okay, and what does that look like? That's the Phoenix Effect, because I the one thing that I think people business owners should not do, and I'm uh, 99 and 44, 100% sure, and my um, position on this is that people should not expect, regardless of who's saying what, that there is going to be a big bang and everything's going to go back to normal and, and business as usual, boom, like someone to, you know flipped a switch. It's going to be gradual. I think it's going to be a stair-step approach. And most growth is, by the way, even back in business as usual, but this is going to be even more so. Okay, those treads are going to be a lot longer and the risers are going to come. You know. So again, so that Phoenix effect is now how do we look at what are the lessons that we learned going through this? Because everybody should have learned something. You know, when, when business is really great, I don't care who we are. We get a little bit lax. We don't think as creatively. Uh, we aren't looking for as many opportunities, as many inno innovations. So we need to ask that question. Do we need to adjust our products and services? Do we need to adjust our markets? What changes do we need to make to rise from the ashes? I mean, we're in the ashes now. Almost everybody's in the ashes. There are a few industries that are thriving right now because of the crisis, right? But most of us are in the ashes, 
But what we want is to rise again out of those ashes. And that's the kind of the Phoenix effect is planning for that. Don't just sit back and say, okay, when the light comes back on, we're going to go back to doing things exactly the way we did them before. I think that's a huge mistake. And so let's plan as best we can for what that look like looks like and what changes we need to make. For example, just like I said a moment ago for my own business, whereas we're generally selling these big, sophisticated strategic planning uh, products to people, I'm not, you know, we're going to be selling the six-month plans. Yeah. The next one is to, to help people rise. That's how we rise from the ashes, you know, to, to revive. And then the next six months. So we're getting people to the end of next year. And that's the Phoenix effect. And I don't know about you, but, you know, back in the Great Recession, 08, 09, 10, I was in, in this business at that time as well. Yeah, me too. Yeah, so, and and the, the companies that emerged from the ashes, okay, were the ones who did that and thought differently and, and, and you know, weren't over leveraged and, and looked at what do we need to be coming out of this. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I remember that time very well too. And for me, it was a great time. Right, there were so many people who needed, wanted, and were weren't certain, were uncertain that it was really a great time for coaching. But again, uh, mostly at that time as well, individuals because a lot of corporates, corporations, as we've talked about. Um, I'm, I'm interested in the notion that we as coaches can make different offerings right now. Have there been different, have there been needs that you're seeing that you either didn't anticipate or, um, or were surprised by? Have you seen some great innovations in the coaching or uh, strategic planning space? Well, in strategic planning, again, you know, keeping it simple, they're basically with regard to the crisis to get you through the crisis. There's four or five questions we're asking. Let's be sure of, of these things, you know, have, have you taken advantage of the PPP? Have you looked at your workforce and okay, where you want to bring people back? Let's not lay people off. Let's furlough people. We can partially furlough people. That's your examples. So keeping it simple at four or five questions on the coaching side. Um, what I'm seeing a lot of and the opportunity for, Christopher, is uh, crisis leadership. Now, as it turns out, I'm also, if, if in case anybody didn't notice, uh, old enough to have uh, not only lived through but been a leader, pretty high leader. I've, I have corporate uh, background as well. And, and I was an executive with a defense contractor on 9-11, okay? And, and security reported to me. And, and I can tell you that I use this story a lot in my coaching when I talk about crisis leadership. But and, and people listen to it and they think, oh, yeah, that's a great story and I like it. But now it's coaching to it because I talk to people about the kind of leadership that was required that day and that week and et cetera. And it was different, okay, than the normal leadership. And, and I, I'm not patting myself on the back. I was a pretty good corporate leader, pretty good leader now, but it takes special skills to be a good leader in crisis. Okay. And, and so I am seeing demand for that. And for people who have bona fides in coaching, people want you for that. And I know that you can deliver it. So I'm, great. I want to, I think this is actually a question for both of you because you both just touched on like where you were and what you were doing during the last two probably biggest crises. Um, and I know that 
anyone that's, you know, I, w- I want to say I'm, I'm 38. Anyone older than me has, like, we, I experienced 9-11. But I didn't experience 9-11 or the, you know, 2008 as a coach. Right. I was in a, I was in a, I had a corporate job. I had a good, you know, like consistency. And so I'm curious for, to, for, to hear both of you speak to, like, you know, we, I can hear you say these things, but it doesn't take away the, the fear or the voice that goes, well, they made it, but what about all the others? What do you, what do you really say to like the new coaches, the coaches who haven't experienced a crisis yet? Like what's the, what's the, um, what's the kind of way to deal with what's going on for them personally, not just with the forecasting and the projecting, but how do they deal with that? So they can 10 years from now, 20 years from now, be giving a podcast, speaking how they survive this and are thrive and thrive through it. I know mine, my answer, Kathy, do you have yours? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Same time. CEOs first. Okay. CEOs first. Um, You know, what I say to people in these at this time to, to, to coach us, and I, I really think it's true all the time, but people don't listen to this lesson all the time, Alex, is uh, you, you really have to be your authentic self. You really have to have the best interest of other people at heart. Whenever I am getting ready to coach, a situation comes up that I'm feeling anxious about, this is my, my barometer. If I'm feeling anxious, it means I don't have clarity or I'm not authentic or I'm not aligned in some way for that. And I have to get there. And that's what, and in, in crisis coaching, that is absolute. You know, you, you, you have to be so centered. And that's what you have to tell people. Keep your eye on the ball. Okay. Be centered. Know what it is that you're trying. When you know what is the priority, it's easy to block everything else out. It's when there's a bunch of noise. And that's what you have to help people to understand. Don't be drawn into everything. You know, keep your center. You know, keep focused on what's important, who you're coaching, what their needs are, but that's really what's important and be authentic. And I feel like, I feel like uh, Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan had a little Kathy, a little version of Kathy in there. <laughs> in those I, wish. Games. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> um, I wish. Uh, the, the thing that I would point to, I, I love what you said about authenticity and, and space. And I think that self-care and some version of mindfulness, it doesn't have to be, you know, a two hour or three hour meditative practice, but some way to sort of clear so you can be fully available and present for your clients. Mm-hmm. I think many of us have had that experience prior to COVID where we, you know, were in the airport at the wrong time or something and had to kind of clear a little space, even if it's just a tiny space so that we can fully focus and be with our client. So whether it's in your mind or in your home or in your, you know, child's bedroom, give yourself that, that space. But, but the second thing is the value of the simple question, you know, right. If you, if if you could ask a question that like, you know, one of my kids, a 10 year old would ask, then you're probably doing great work with, with your clients. That's a great one. I agree with that a hundred percent. I, um, I want to, uh, our time has flown by and it's so delightful to be with you. I want to let our, 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 listeners know that you've got a lot to offer. You've got an extraordinary offer of a complimentary consultation. Will you tell us what that is and who can, who can get that? Anyone can get it. Um, it's, but 
but um, you know, business owners in particular would want to tap into that. Business mm-hmm. owners of any kind of business, quite frankly, and it is going back to something I said earlier. Uh, I know you know this, Christopher. Alex, you're learning this. You probably already know it. Uh, you can accomplish a lot in an hour, <laughs> as long as you're prepared and you're focused. Indeed. And so, so what we're doing is, hey, here's the key questions. We're going to ask you these key questions, and we're going to go down the line, and you're going to leave there with, you know some action items, some answers, some things you need to go look at, et cetera. So they're going to come out of there with real things that can help them, you know, with their business in this time. So that, that's what that's all about. It's such a generous offer. And the website is Latitude Group. And I'm going to spell it because uh, some people like me are spelling challenged. L-A-T-T-I-T-U-D-E group.com. It's an extraordinary author, Kathy, and there's a lot of uh, value even by just going to your LinkedIn for Latitude Group or your Twitter as well as uh, the website. Uh, our, our time has been so valuable and I thank you so much for it. I know you must be very busy these days. I wonder if you have a parting thought or a parting shot that you'd like a few thousand coaches to know or think about today. Sure. And let me just say what a pleasure this has been. This is a, you guys are really great to interact with. You, you really set a great tone. I understand why you're successful and people listen here. You're so um, kind. Thank you. No, it's just absolutely true. But, but my parting shot is this. It's been a little bit woven into what I've talked about, but very explicitly is if business leaders think I'm going to get my PPP and that's, you know, my payroll protection plan loan or even my emergency disaster loan, and then uh, everything's going to be okay, you know, and, and that, that's the answer to everything, okay, and, and I'm just going to sit back and wait for this to be over, that's a mistake, don't sit back and wait for this, you need to be, be as proactive as you can, again, but not setting too, too solid, too hard of guides, but guidelines, what I call, again, guardrails, and don't expect it to be business as usual, maybe ever again, but not anytime soon. Those are the two things. Beautiful. Such a great reminder and so kind of you. Thank you again for being with us. The website is Latitude Group. The voice is Kathy Bowman-Atkins. Thank you so much for your work and for being with us today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. Did you learn something, Alex? Yeah. I mean, I think first of all, (laughs) uh, Kathy's tenacity Indeed. Like the tenacity, the rigor, the focus, um, but also like the humanity, you know, like I, I feel like I could sit next to, to Kathy at a diner and like we could <laughs> chat it up and she would be like, man, this lady's great. I don't know who she is, but she's great. But then I feel like if I walked into a boardroom and she was talking to us like she just did, I'd be like, whoa, this lady's like just the, the two sides. And I think what's great about that is it speaks to what she was talking about, about the being authentic best interest and coming from the heart it show it can show up in those like two different places and it shows up as like you know humanity but also as power very good well if you found that valuable you're going to like our next guest as well uh uh tired of presentations with no impact no inspiration and no traction do dull speakers have you and your team disengaged and distracted by smartphones christopher mcculloch brings energy insights and two decades of experience delivered with punch humor and heart your team will leave energized uplifted and with a sense of purpose visit christophermcculloch.com to bring some heat to your next speaking engagement m-c-a-u-l-i-double-f-e christophermcculloch.com 
Are you seeking to change your career to something that is both fulfilling and challenging? Do you want to help people reach their full potential and strive to achieve their dreams? Would you like to inspire those around you and help create a better world? If you're serious about a career change or just want to explore the craft of personal coaching, contact Accomplishment Coaching with locations across the country in Washington, D.C., Seattle, Chicago, New York City, and San Diego. Accomplishment Coaching is the leading institution in personal coaching. Our staff carefully monitors the entire program live during the training process and have met the strict standards of ICF International to achieve accreditation. Through a focus on quality instruction rather than endless modules of training, Accomplishment Coaching will guide you from your very first step all the way to becoming one of the finest coaches in the world. Visit AccomplishmentCoaching.com to learn more. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. Christopher McAuliffe is your source for the latest in the world of personal coaching. Whether it be speaking with such luminaries as Deepak Chopra or getting the newest techniques and innovation, The Coaching Show is always on the cutting edge of what's happening now. The Coaching Show is brought to you by Accomplishment Coaching, home of the world's finest coach training program. Here is Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach. Patrick is joining us for the first time, and I know that a lot of uh, businesses always especially small and medium-sized businesses where we've got this thing where the founder started the company, you know, this is my story and I know yours, Alex, and a lot of other people, you know, the thing that we don't look at and we don't look at often enough or deeply enough is an exit plan or an exit strategy. And so whether it's a voluntary because we want to spend more time with family or because we've come done what we came to do by establishing a business or whether it's because of some pandemic related or other crisis uh the notion of exiting a business or leaving a business or preparing for the the transition out of a business can be one of the most challenging and traumatic things that a business owner and especially a founder who's heading the business can deal with our next guest is an expert in that area he's written a book dance in the end zone how to exit from your business happily and successfully. Patrick, I do not want to massacre your last name. Will you please say it for me? Oh, we can't hear you. You're muted. And there you go for it's, it, There we go. There you it's go. all right. Um, Christopher, nobody will touch it. It's pronounced Ungashik. Ungashik, <laughs> just like it looks. Just like <laughs> I don't it know looks. why, why I messed you, with that. When you reverse engineer it back into the original German, it means clumsy or incompetent. <laughs> No, so so never probably, say that again. <laughs> it's probably good to stay away from it for multiple reasons. <laughs> see, Patrick, thanks so much for being with us. Hey, look outside. Where are you? Atlanta. Oh, Atlanta. Wow. Do not go outside. I don't care what the governor says. Um, okay. You are the founder of Navix Consultants. You can find them on the web at navixconsultants.com. That's navixconsultants.com. But also, of course, on the LinkedIn and the all the places. Uh, Patrick, what's the what's the number one thing? If you could if you could holler from the mountaintops uh, something to all business owners, especially those that are founders, about about a big business exit, what's the one thing you would have everybody know? The best day to have an exit strategy laid out is the day you start your business. Wow. And the second best day is today. That doesn't mean <laughs> that doesn't mean you're going anywhere today. But just to stop and think about it. Who would tie up 20, 30 or more years of their life and 80, 90% of their net worth and most of their career hopes and dreams and countless jobs and valuable customers? Who would tie all that up in an entity without knowing how you're going to unwind and unbundle all that without doing harm? Yet that's what entrepreneurs do on a pretty regular basis. 
And it's interesting because most of us, uh, and and Alex is closer to the beginning of his business. I've been, I've been in business for a while. We're celebrating twenty years of success, and I'm, um, I'm at the point where I feel. I, I noticed this week that I feel more beholden or more responsibility towards the people who are working in the business than to yes. my own. Um, needs or wants or, or intentions. And Alex yes. is at the stage of his business where he's still, you know, like if it goes poorly, he can eat ramen and peanut butter. And if it goes well, he can, you know, uh, <laughs> order out from the finest restaurants, but it's that's mostly, not, that doesn't help. That's that, and that actually, I think that's a really important thing. I think for like, a, if you, you know, I, I often think that life really starts when you either get married or have kids and off like, cause there's other people that suddenly depend on you. Maybe if you're, you know, you're young and you're taking care of your parents or something, but when it's just you, you can, we can get pretty scrappy and survive if we have to, if we need to. But sure. I also think it's a handicap to what you're saying because I can go, well, oh, whatever where I think it actually takes another level of resolve to go, wait, I need to do this for me because I don't want to eat ramen. <laughs> but, you know, I, so I, I think there's something to say about like, I, I would, I'm very interested to hear why I would even want to plan an exit strategy when I'm like, I'm like, why would I, what's the point of that? I'm not going anywhere. Right. So a couple of things. I think very few business owners, it's only about the money. I mean, you're right, Christopher, if you've had some degree of success, then hopefully you've had a chance to build up perhaps some personal wealth outside the business and be less financially dependent on it, certainly on a day-to-day, month-to-month basis. But then other causes and, and concerns and relationships creep into the picture. And you know, in 30 years, I, I can count on one hand, single digits, the number of owners that I've ever met who said, I don't really care about my people. Or I don't care what the customer experience is after the fact. Most of them, we're I not, could, we're not I all, could give you some names. I'm just right? kidding. <laughs> Probably. Um, I'm not saying we're all saints, but most of us recognize that our people contributed to the success along the way and, and want to make sure that their employees are treated with some dignity. Um, and most of us recognize that there's a certain set of values and norms and standards that apply, written or unwritten, that applied with regards to serving the customer and client. And we don't want to see those trashed uh, after we're gone. And so you're right, that, that set of desires and, and desired outcomes of things that we want to achieve and we want to avoid occurring, uh, every client and every business is different, but there's some pretty common themes there with a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs. Well, to, uh, go ahead, Chris. I was going to say to Alex's point, saying that you need to have an exit plan doesn't mean that you're going to be walking out the door. Uh, but in the course of building a company, every business leader faces a set of strategic questions that you've got to decide upon and better to have your ultimate end game in mind before you answered those questions. I mean, Covey said it pretty succinctly, begin with the end in mind. So even if someone's a solopreneur and you've got just yourself to worry about, do you hire? If you do hire, what, what skill set are you looking to uh, put in place? Do you need the physical overhead and cost structure of an office you know what about your brand do you spend money on building brand value do you try and create value that exists beyond you those are all strategic questions that come up in the lifespan of any organization any company and it's a a lot better more likely to be successful outcome if you're making those here and now business growth decisions against the backdrop of what's your ultimate exit strategy for this company that you're leading so I get exit can all, could also be interpreted as like, hey, where are you going? Where are the goals? It doesn't sure. have to be thought of as like, 
the way I hear it when it starts is like, oh, well, this didn't work out and this went bad. So we have to like slowly back out the back door before anybody notices. Right. Um, but you're saying it, this could actually be a really, the exit strategy could be because you succeeded and did everything you wanted. And that means you're done. Absolutely. Um, nobody has any data on this because these are private companies with private transactions. But in our experience, I would tell you about two thirds of, of successful businesses and their owners, they exited a timetable not of their choosing because somebody walked in the door, there's a knock, there's an email that came in, a phone call that said, hey, are you interested in selling? Uh, that's the pleasant scenario that can lead to some really um, happy outcomes. But then there's also the what ifs, what if you get sick, you know, what if something traumatic happens in your life? Uh, but either way, yes, you, you want to have at least some intentionality around your longer term goals and your desired outcomes. At the same point in time, you got to recognize that you might not control the timetable. Sorry, no, Christopher has a, a, since we're all recording remotely, Christopher has a garbage man outside. I didn't know he was going to jump in or not. Yeah. So if we're looking at people that are, you know, we're in this, we're in this COVID quarantine economic uncertainty situation right now. And we probably wouldn't want people to react to like, I probably should be exiting because like, like just reacting like that. Right. What, from where you stand, what's the advice you're giving people on their businesses right now? And maybe you can answer this in like three ways, like new businesses, businesses that are somewhere in the middle and businesses that have been around for a while. Sure. Great question. And you're right. You know, hopefully, hopefully you're not reacting and hopefully you're in a position to be more intentional. Um, I, I can, and I think breaking that out in terms of where the business is on the spectrum is wise. However, I can make a blanket statement, which is the number in, a, in the environment that we're in right now, the business threat that this public health crisis presents. I think the number one takeaway for all companies, regardless of what stage they're at, is you got to survive. And if, if survive, in this case, means cash. You need cash to keep operations going. If you've got people to keep pay meeting payroll, if you've got cost infrastructure, real estate, equipment, technology, uh, software you subscribe to, you got to be able to keep the lights on and pay the bills. Um, and, and the reality is many companies, companies of even some surprisingly larger sizes really are not in the disciplined habit of looking at what their cash picture looks like, not just today, but 90 days from now, 180 days from now. Um, my crystal ball is no better than anybody else, but one thing I think, I, I think we're all realizing is when society comes back, whatever comes back looks like, that's not going to be a, a, a snap of your fingers. It's not going to be a single day event where life returns to normal, meaning a lot of businesses are going to crawl back and perhaps crawl back slowly. So you've got to make sure that you've got enough cash in order to survive, not just while COVID-19 is, uh, is forcing us all, into, and many of us into social distancing, but it's also impacting so many businesses so negatively. So that would be the first thing is make sure you've got enough cash and make sure you've got enough cash to survive. Beyond that, you know, there's actually, there's fantastic opportunities in all this for some well-led businesses. If you're planning on building a business that you want to sell one day, until about six, seven weeks ago, when the crisis really took over our lives, it feels like there was, it was record amounts of buyers out there. There's record amounts of M&A activity, and those buyers haven't gone away. Private equity funds still need to make smart acquisitions. Strategic buyers still need to make acquisitions that are going to fuel their growth. So companies that come out of this uh, smartly and with a healthy balance sheet and with a good, good solid plan for going forward, 
boy, they're going to be in a they're going to be in a great spot in the marketplace for controlling their own destiny. Patrick, most of our listeners are probably coaches who have some sort of a, of a variety of offerings, but are, but are in, uh, I, I suppose, in general, looking at individual coaching, group coaching, both in an organizational setting or privately, uh, as well as some uh, using Alex as an example, you know, he's written a book, he's got a, an e-course, he's got a couple of other endeavors with multiple people. But uh, often it's hard as a coach to envision this as an enterprise that someday has an exit strategy. Sure. Before we get to our clients and, and supporting them in exit strategies, what should we be doing for ourselves? In other words, you know, most of us have visions of grandeur where it's like, well, you know, when I get wealthy, I'll just, you know, call up Barack and find out who he uses for exit planning. But, um, but, our real story is probably much different. You know, we're focused now on building equity or building our brand or building um, uh, value for our customers. What should an individual business person or a small business person be thinking about when it comes to exit planning? Great question. I think it goes back to having a clear vision around where you want to end up and how that's going to influence those decisions you make now. I mean, for example, are you seeking to build a brand that's bigger than you and beyond you? And one day others could take that brand and run with it in the marketplace. Others could be a team that you build underneath you today or in the, in the near term. Others could be Somebody in the future who wants to acquire that brand that you've created, and that's part of your exit strategy, part of what you're building to sell. Creating a brand, as we all know, takes work, it takes resources, it takes effort today and on an ongoing basis. And so one of those strategic questions that any business coach is, has laid out in front of him or her is, do I want to make that time and dollar and equity investment in building a brand that I aspire to be bigger than me? Or am I okay with the brand being so inextricably tied to me that one day when I do exit, which might mean my own just wrapping it up, I'm okay with the brand wrapping it up with me? That's that. So brand, I think, is a critically important question in front of any individual coach. A second one is, I mentioned this briefly before, is the team. Do I want to build a team underneath me? Do I want to build a team of coaches who use my methods and my methodology and take those into the market and can execute client engagements without me needing to be in the room? That's a very specific kind of team to build that can create value in the company beyond me. Or do I not want to take on that risk and that work and that cost because those can be expensive people? And I am, am I okay building a team that just leverages me, supports me, but I still need to be in the room at every moment that the client is? Again, strategic questions that I think are best answered by knowing what's my ultimate vision for down the road. And should we have... Metrics. Sorry, Alex. One one follow up. Should we have metrics in mind, uh, or is that too granular? In other words, should we should we have metrics on? Uh, I'm envisioning it on the way up. Right. Like, okay, at this point, I want to have you know two or three people in my team, and at this point, I want to have seven or eight or twelve or forty. Um, but then also maybe on the way down, for example, many people, myself included, had some corporate clients leave immediately when there was the first sign of trouble. And should we start? 
looking at, okay, maybe um, I'm going to have to work a few more years than I expected or, or something because my business isn't at the level or it's dropped a little bit. Anything about that or is that more day-to-day management and not in your bailiwick? No, I no, I. Uh, I mean, I didn't invent the phrase. If you can't measure it, you can't manage it. Um, but it's a good one, and I definitely think there's some metrics that tie into these conversations. For example, depending upon the nature of your coaching business and your practice, uh, you know, you can look at revenue and break that out. Is it revenue from new clients? Is it re- revenue from existing clients? That's a pretty healthy, important metric to pay attention to. Is it project-based revenue? Is it recurring revenue? Again, another important metric that might be relevant for understanding the health and the direction of a coaching business. Um, But back to the uh, point about brand, I mean, all kinds of fantastic ways to measure brand value in the marketplace. So yes, I do think that ultimately, once you've got a vision for what you want to build, then you break that apart and look at those metrics that are going to be uh, the last point I'll make about this re- metrics can be relevant, but the last point is make sure you're looking at leading indicator metrics. I mean, revenue and profits, those are lagging indicators of activities that we've engaged in sometimes weeks, maybe months, sometimes even years before those revenues and profits come in the door. And when I see a lot of businesses where their metrics are mostly lagging indicators and, and that can cause a lot of companies to get in trouble because they're not measuring those activities that drive the results. I want to um, I want to take a step to the you were talking about the branding and the the different ways and I think like you know a lot of when I talk to coaches in their first five years ish of business there seem like there's like often two camps the one who's just like oh, I'm just building my business getting clients and then there's the other that have these big visions of the brand and you know works and all the things and what I think I've seen is like you pointed to the, when you get the looking at the end people have in mind, it almost seems like people don't really choose these things powerfully. They're just kind of like, Oh, well that's the right way. I'll do it that way. Or I don't feel like doing it that way. So I'll just stay in my little comfort zone. Do you have like, what's the advice and how do you even make that decision? If you're in the beginning and now we're in this situation, like how do I decide if man, do I want to go the brand route? Do I want to build something big where I hire people? Yes. Um, I I used a great word in there, which is powerfully. I think you're right. I think a lot of businesses, and we're talking about about coaches, but I think you can extend that into a lot of professional services businesses. You've got to make that decision. And the decision is often not made powerfully or clearly or intentionally. Um, Let's just look at the financial aspect of this. Everybody has a number that they want to one day have put away so that they can reach a point in their life where they don't have to work. If you work, it's because you choose to, not because you have to. You know, Money doesn't buy happiness, but if you're at that point where you're that level financially free, you're typically going to be smiling. So that's pretty important to some people. And let's just do simple math, and let's just say the number's a million bucks, whatever. Now, here I am, and if I don't have that million dollars today, but I, I own my own business, whether it's myself, whether I have a team, it doesn't matter. I've got two ways to get to that million bucks. One is I build something that is bigger than myself and somebody later pays me for it and they write a check of a million dollars or more date later. Or I've got to, in addition to the money that I need to pay my bills now, I've got to take more profits out of my business each year and set it aside so that it eventually grows to that million bucks. So either way, but I can't do neither because if I do neither, I'm going to wake up 20 years from now and I'm not going to have the million bucks already. And I maybe didn't build something that someone's going to write me a check for. So you do need to make it intentionally. You do need to make it powerfully. 
uh, because it takes a long time. If you're working for 20 years, you know, that's 50,000 a year on top of the money you need for today's bills just to put away without any interest or any of that in order to come up with that million bucks. So you've got to be intentional. I think how you make that choice, Alex, and I think that's an important one, is look around you. Look at the business models around you. Find examples of what other people have built and then really understand the story behind that. So if you do see that coach who leads this program that has this amazing team and a a team of coaches underneath him or her and this brand that has incredible value, great. Do you want to build that? And if so, realistically understand the work and the risk and the equity and the investment that's involved in truly building that. On the flip side, if you find that coach who maybe the, the, the team is small, the practice is small, the brand maybe can't be extracted or separated out from that individual, but that individual seems to have built a whole lot of success and a really nice lifestyle for him or herself or herself. Okay, great. You can go that way, but just again, understand the work that was involved. So find a model or two that's an example that may not be exactly what you do, but the business model is something that you think you can replicate. That's so great. I'm, I'm learning a lot today and I'm feeling pretty good about life. I want to, I want to talk <laughs> about emotion for a second. Um, like uh, estate planning, you know, most people avoid this conversation from, I assume, an emotional place, right? We don't want to sure. consider the end of our life or the day that we leave our business because we're too busy building it. That's and right. anyone with the with the personality or whatever we're going to call it, the chutzpah, to build a business is sort of once we're in that cycle, at least my experience is you're building all the time, right? You're always, I, I say that I used to be you know, when I started my business, I was scared about this week and now I'm scared about this year and next year. And, you know, I just, I'm, I just changed my focus about what I'm scared or worried about. And I'm right. always building in my mind about the future. So I guess I have two questions for you about emotion. The first is it's hard to get people to look at this stuff. And especially because we're, you know, creating, 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 we don't want to think about the end of anything. And second of all, I'm envisioning the day you, you your conversation has had me envision the day after I leave my business, and I can't imagine what to do with all the energy focused time and you know feelings that I put into my business on a daily basis. What in the heck? You know, I can only imagine a huge depression and fall and you know into alcoholism and constant uh, <laughs> annoying my relatives. What do you what do you see? Can you hear both emotional questions about? I can look, looking at it now and the day after you exit. I can. So the first point is, you're right, there are, there are many. I mean, those of us that are, have, are so privileged to be entrepreneurs, we love what we do. And the last thing for years, often decades, the last thing any of us wants to contemplate is not doing that anymore. It's the thrill, it's the passion, it's the challenge of building something that keeps us so engaged. Uh, for nearly everybody, eventually that goes away. Eventually, you wake up one day and say, you know what? I do love what I do. I am so blessed. But I don't want to have to do the same thing tomorrow that I did yesterday that I did last week. And that feeling gets especially acute if you've got people who depend upon you. And that's something you were talking about before, Alex. You've got clients who want to know that their services are going to be met at the same standard, not just today, but five years from now. And you have employees whose paycheck and whose own sense of self-worth is tied into the organization that you've created. And so in my experience, yeah, there there are stories where you find the 93-year-old who's still going in the office at 6 a.m. every day, but those stories tend to be the outliers. The reality is, is that most of us do reach a point in life where we want to make sure that what we built continues and that people are not left stranded 
uh, or disappointed, um, and that w all that we've accomplished doesn't end up with this negative film on it because it fell apart at the end. And so there, that emotion does change for people. Clearly, age is a driving factor to some extent, Christopher. Uh, but at some point, that irrational entrepreneurial enthusiasm does begin to morph into, hey, I want to make sure that everything we accomplished here goes forward in some manner. So, yeah, there is an emotional roller coaster there, and there is a, there is a dip that comes. You're right. Uh, on the second part of what you brought up, we call it life after exit, and it can be terrifying. You know, we, we all know the cliche, you know, my business is my, 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 my baby, my, my third child, my fourth child. And the thought about not having that in your life uh, for a lot of business leaders is not something that makes them excited. Um, we, we, the retirement is a word we stay away from because most entrepreneurs do not aspire to do nothing. The question is, what am I going to take my time and my talent and apply it towards in a way that's still just as meaningful and engaging? And the real, the practical tip here is don't wait until the first day of life after exit. Don't wait until then to figure out the answer to that question. Start exploring that long before you're planning on going anywhere so that you have time to explore and test drive some of those ideas about activities and causes and ventures that you might want to pursue after your current occupation, your current, your current calling. That's really important. And test driving might be one of the things I would enjoy. Yes. Alex, Alex, do you have a, a question to wrap us up today? You know, I don't know if I have a question. I think it's great to hear this. I think this is great information for somebody who's younger and like isn't there. Like I look at my dad who's been an entrepreneur for 40-ish years and is in his 80s and he's still trying to like hang on and keep going. So you give me a little empathy for how it must feel to to be there and that. Um, but when I ask him things like, hey, what do you, what's, what are your hobbies? What he's got, there's no, it's like he never, it almost seems like he never thought about it, like when he was done. Um, so I think it's a really cool question to say, hey, like when I don't want to do this anymore, whenever this is or for however long, what would, what would be things that I would want to do? And then assuming it's successful, what, you know, if, if, um, I think the question I'd want to leave with is how do people know if right now, like, it's it's kind of like how do they if people are towards the end of their businesses right now and now they're in this yes. you know whatever's going on is this a reason to have them move their timeline up is this something that you're like no you got to keep going till you hit those those goals do you have thoughts on that yeah I do I think a lot of goals are going to change um, you know we've got we've still got a bunch of baby boomers who haven't gone anywhere. And I think on the other side of the immediate public health crisis that we're all living every day, when business begun, re, be, returns to something that we're going to call normal, even though we maybe wouldn't have recognized it before, I think we're going to have a very large segment of our entrepreneurial population, specifically those baby boomer business owners who my prediction is they're going to say, I don't want to do that again. I, I, I went through the Great Recession. Well, I, I survived COVID-19. My business survived COVID-19. I don't want to do that again. Um, and so for those owners who, Alex, to your question, who are maybe closer, you know, you got to survive the current um, uh, uncertain environment, but you got to come out on the other side with a plan that you're ready to execute against uh, because it's going to be a pretty crowded room of entrepreneurs and business leaders who maybe are going to be ready to move on to do something else. And it's good for us to be prepared for that because I know that I would I would be 
sort of off my game to talk about exit strategies. So the first place to start is the book. Dance in the End Zone is Patrick's book and how to exit from your business happily and successfully. And that is a great place to start. You also have some free uh, uh, resources, videos, webinars. Is that all on your website, Patrick? Yes, navixconsultants.com. We've got um, a whole bunch of white papers and videos and articles uh, to help educate business leaders and owners on these very issues. Yes. Very good. And that's spelled N-A-V-I-X, consultants, C-O-N-S-U-L-T-A-N-T-S.com, navixconsultants.com. Patrick, uh, it's been great to be with you, man. What an important thing, this uh, topic this is for so many of us in our own business, as well as those of us supporting other businesses and organizations. Um, I want to give you the opportunity for a parting thought or a parting shot today. What would you have a few thousand coaches think of or take with us today? Yeah, uh, if you're working with business, you're a business leader and owner yourself, have that vision laid out for yourself. And if you're advising other business leaders and executives, you know, there's so much of what you do adds value to the exit because if you're if you're helping people achieve more successful careers and be- building better businesses today, ultimately you're helping to contribute to their own successful exit. So keep on doing the good stuff that you do. Christopher and Alex, thank you very much. Thank you. We know you need to go. Thanks so much for your time, Patrick. We appreciate you very much. That's Patrick Ungashik. I've been practicing at navixconsultants.com. Go check that out immediately and get some of those resources so that when you're talking with your clients, you can be better informed and support them. Well, that's another edition of The Coaching Show, each and every week bringing you people out on the cutting edge of coaching or just people you need to know about. Man, I thought today's episode was useful and valuable, and I trust that you found the same, my dear listener. Thank you for your attention and your time, and we will talk to you next week. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening to The Coaching Show. We will talk to you next week.